no video this morning, uh, so we'll jump right into a sermon. And uh, this week was VBS. The theme was submerged. It was about really allowing God to see the depths of our soul. And at our VBS, there was a motto, and, and we're going to say that motto all together now. Uh, I see Brianna right here in the front row. She already knows this, and she can do the motions. motions. So uh, it goes like this. Jesus sees, Jesus knows, Jesus saves. Can everybody say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Jesus sees, Jesus knows, Jesus saves. Very good. You guys are almost as good as the kids we had at VBS this week. Uh, this this motto comes from a couple of verses in Psalms 139, 23 through 24, a verse that all of the kids learned this week, and a verse that as I was studying it to give this sermon, uh, a shorter sermon than normal because we have kids in here, uh, I was profoundly impacted. Uh, we kind of teach the kids and we teach like the most basic truths from uh, the verses that we're kind of given in our curriculum, but, but the verses are, are, are really deep and profound. And one of the reasons that I found them to be so cool is that they're kind of abnormal verses. It's not like God loves you or don't do this or whatever. It's like, wait, what, what does he actually mean when he praised what he praised in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24? And so uh, first, you need to know that David is writing this while he's facing intense danger. He is in... Uh, really a fight for his life. People are chasing him, and he, he is having his loyalty to God questioned. And so David, in Psalm 139, opens up this prayer, uh, and, and he says this, this incredible thing. Now, the, the first verse we're going to look at is verse 23, and there it says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Basically, we see the word anxious there in our English translations, but the, the whole idea is basically the same. It's like, God, look inside of me. Search me, test me, all of that stuff. Now, the funny part is, if you were just to back up a little bit, verses we didn't talk about at VBS this week, but if you go to back to verses one through four in Psalm 39, you read this, this weird thing in comparison to verses 23 and 24. It says in verses one through four, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern me going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. That's weird, right, to then say, search me, God, because he's already said, you have searched me. You know everything about me. And, and then in verses 7 through 12, David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The light will shine like the day, for dark is as light to you. So David says, God, you've already searched me. You know everything about me. If I'm about to talk, you know what I'm about to say. And then he says, if I wanted to hide from you, there's nowhere I could go. If I wanted to conceal something from you, to not let you know something about me and what goes on inside of me, there's nowhere I could go. 
If I went across the sea, you're there. If I go up on a mountain, you're there. If I try to go to the morning, then you're there. If I, I try to hide in the darkness, you're there. You know everything that I think, and it doesn't matter if I try to run away from that fact. You already know. And then he says this other crazy thing. It's kind of famous. Psalm 139, 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He says, I can't hide anywhere. And even before I was born, you knew exactly what was going to happen in my life. You knew everything that would take place, everything I would say, everything that I would do. It's not saying God dictates those things. It's just saying he knows those things. So that makes what he says in verses 23 and 24 kind of weird, right? God, you know everything about me. God, you know uh, everything even if I try to hide from you. God, you knew everything even before I was born. Oh, and by the way, God, search me and know my heart. That's a weird thing to pray considering everything that he has already said. The question that we must ask is simply if God knows us intimately and he knows us no matter where we go and if he's known us since before we were born, then why pray such a thing. It's interesting, isn't it? Now, there's something that you need to know here. Uh, this word for test it is a word that is used of like testing whether gold is real. Uh, and it's not something I'm very familiar with, but, uh, but I bought a wedding ring once and I stole this off my prop from last week. I just ripped it apart, um, my Dollar Tree prop. But when you get married and you go into the Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business, uh, you show up and, and they hand you uh, the rings and, and they're like, you like this one? Let's look at it. And then they give you this little thing and, and you look in it like this and and they say, do you see those spots in there? Uh, you know, and, and because clarity is part of buying a ring. There's like color, clarity, cut. There's a bunch of C words that I don't remember now. I've been married long enough. But they give you this thing and they say, look, do you see those? And, and it's like, it's kind of like the eye test for those of you that never bought a wedding ring. When they put the thing down and the thing down, and I, I have really good eyes, so I've barely ever done this. But they're like, do you see the difference? Like, no, I don't see a difference. Which one's better? I don't know. They're exactly the same. And it's the same when you buy an engagement ring. It's like, you're talking about three little spots. I have no idea what you're saying. But eventually, because you don't want to deal with it anymore, like, oh, yeah, definitely. I see, I see those spots in there. I mean, terrible, you know? This is an ugly ring. Give me that more expensive one. You know, it's something like that takes place. And, and I think <coughs> that's what he's getting at here in this verse. He's saying, God, look, you know everything about me, but I want you to look deeply inside of me because I want to be closer to you. In fact, in verse 24, he says the same thing again. See if there is any offensive way in me. And then he says, and lead me into the way everlasting. What it comes down to is this, asking God to search your soul is not saying, God, I think that you actually don't know me, you don't understand me, you don't have a clue what's going on. It's not that. Asking God to search your soul is asking for God to look deep inside of you, to get out his little thingajig, uh, and, and then to heal, fix whatever is wrong. 
to remove whatever uh, unclarity there might be, to remove whatever tarnish there might be. Uh, in fact, I, when I was thinking about this, um, I thought of how there's two kinds of athletes, and uh, I grew up playing sports, and you know that if you've been around, and uh, with athletes, there are two kinds, it seems. There are the kind that always thinks they're awesome, and there are the kind that always want to get better. Uh, you just, either a person in athletics that's like, I know what I'm doing, I'm really good, I don't need to hear from my coaches, I don't need to listen to my coaches, I don't need to talk to my coaches, when they talk to me, I'll, I'll pretend that I care. And then there's the kind that, that are just obsessed with getting better and better and better, uh, even when they're great. And you hear some of the greatest athletes of all time say these very things like, well, I just went into the summer. They're 38 years old and they're the greatest player of all time. And they, they go, I just went into the summer looking for ways to improve my game. I, just, I was just trying to find a way to get better this summer. And, and I think it, it, what David is praying is, God, look, I can't see everything that I do wrong. I can't see all my sins. I can't see all my problems. And I want you to look inside of me and show me those ways and then fix them. Make them better. Make me whole. Make me complete. Make me perfect. I think David is like an athlete that says, I can't see all my flaws. So I'm willing to listen to everybody around me so that I can constantly be getting better. Now, there's one problem with this, and the problem is we hate the idea of people seeing the things that are wrong with us. Even the kids that we had at our VBS this week, uh, from a young age, you don't want people to see your flaws. You don't want people to see your failures. You don't want people to see your hurts. You don't want people to see your fears. You want to hide all of the bad parts of you. And so this prayer, while it sounds great, like, yeah, of course I want God to know me. The reality is we don't want anybody to really know what's deep inside of us. And we especially, many, don't want God to see what's deep inside of us. Now, that's easier to hide because we can just pretend we want God to know us, right? I mean, what's that really going to change in our lives? What's going to tangibly change if you actually want God to see you, who for, you for who you really are or if you don't? But it's obvious when you don't want another person to see inside of you, right? You're veiled, you talk about the weather, you don't have real conversations, you can never answer a question without a joke, you know? The conversation never goes deeper. And many of us will always be that way with God. <clears throat> we will like the idea of God, we may ask God for things, but we will not pray anything like this. Because, in fact, it's a scary prayer. God, I want you to look deeply inside of me and fix whatever you think is wrong. Many of us will be like the athlete who believes, who thinks, who acts like you have it all figured out. God, I'm doing a pretty good job. You don't need to look inside of me. I believe you know everything about me, but don't really look inside of me because I'm doing pretty well right now. But this prayer is a prayer that takes guts. In fact, I saw a sermon title in preparation uh, that was, I dare you to pray this. And it was about these two verses. Because what do we want to do? We want to 
pretend that we don't have any problems. We want to forget about our problems. We, even if we aren't pretending we don't have them and we don't want to forget about them, we don't want to do anything about our problems. We just accept our problems. We either forget about them, we don't deal with them, or we accept them. Isn't that your normal response? Like, yeah, sometimes I'm kind of a jerk. I can be a jerk to my spouse, but no big deal. Not that big a deal. Well, I tell the occasional lie, not that big a deal. Sometimes I just get a little drunk, not that big of a deal. Or, well, whatever. Or, well, let's not talk about it. And so David is saying, look in the deepest parts of my soul, God, and make me better. Now, that's something that I think all of us kind of want to pray. Christian, non-Christian, everybody kind of wants to get better in their souls. We just finished a 10-week series about living beautifully. And, and like I said, nobody says, I don't want to live beautifully. Nobody says that. But not many people are willing to say to God, God, look deep in my soul. And, and no matter what it takes, make me better. Make me more like you. Uh, make me more like you want me to be. Purify me. Take away the things that, that ruin the clarity of my life, my wholehearted devotion to you, and, and fix them. Just fix them. Because that can mean some pain. That can mean some sadness. That can mean some digging up old things that you don't want to come back to the surface, if you will, to use our metaphor. Uh, I mean, that can be painful. God, I know I haven't forgiven that person, but it's not that big a deal. You know, we don't need to have a good relationship again. It's okay the way it is. We've got along fine. We don't talk, but we've got along fine, you know. But if God says, ah, look deep, now I'm going to try to fix it, then all of a sudden there could be tears even. It could get ugly. It could get messy. And that's exactly what David is praying here. Now that last part, lead me in the way everlasting, I mean... It's clear. He means help make it right. Look at everything I do wrong and then make it right. But also, as we read back into it from the New Testament, we can't help but notice what Jesus said, uh, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the reality is, as God looks deep into our souls, we must look to Jesus for the forgiveness that we need. A lot of people on this planet especially in our country, will never come to Jesus because they never look deep into their souls and they say, well, I'm a pretty good person. But they don't want to look deep and say, well, there's that wrong and that wrong and that wrong and I'm broken and I'm hurt here and I, I, that relationship messed up this part of my life. And the answer when we look deep in our souls will always be to look at Jesus and say, I need fixing. But most people will stay at the shallow end and say, uh -uh, I'm never going to look deep. I'm pretty good on the outside. And therefore, this is why so many people that you know, they don't feel a need for Jesus because they've never looked deeply inside of themselves. And so they're okay. They're just as good as everybody else. They're fine. But below the surface, they're not. So they never sense their need for Jesus. One of the reasons that I love Jesus so much is because I'm a, a pretty introspective person. And I never get told things that are wrong with me that I haven't been thinking about for a long time. It doesn't mean I can always fix them right away. It doesn't mean that I always have an answer to my problems. But I always know the things that I do poorly, the things that are wrong with me, the things that are sinful, the things I'd like to fix. Because I look deep inside of myself. And when you look deep inside of Chad, 
you have to know that there's a need for a savior. I mean, that's the reality. I need Jesus because I can see who I really am, uh, even if I don't show it to everybody else. And, and so David says, that, like, hey, Jesus, look deep inside of me and then fix me. And when we think about what Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we can't help but go, the everlasting way is the way in which someone accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They believe that he died and rose again for the sins of the earth, and then they get everlasting life, a term that the New Testament uses over and over and over. Everlasting life, life that will go forever. Now, there's three things that have to be true for you to want to pray this. I, this is not in the verse, but I just, I just was pondering. Uh, and there's three things that must be true. First, you must be kind of trying to live for God, right? Because you don't really want to go, God, search me, if you're like, eh, I'm not even trying to live for you, God. Uh, you must be kind of making some level of effort if you're actually going to make this prayer to live for God. You must be trying to do some right things, trying to do some nice things, et cetera, et cetera. You have to be making some kind of effort. The second thing that must be true is you must trust the grace of God. You must trust the grace of God if you are going to pray this thing. Because if God looks deeply inside of you, which he already has done and already knows everything about you, but if you're opening yourself up to that, you're inviting God to look deep inside your soul, then you better believe that God is going to be gracious to you because you already know deep inside your soul, there's some problems. It's true of everybody. We all have that problem is that there's problems inside of us. And so you must trust that God is gracious, something that we completely believe as Christians. And the third thing is you must want to live more fully for God. No reason to pray this if you don't want to do a better job of living for God. And if those things are true then the question becomes, do you actually have the courage to pray this? And, and here's the thing. David who prays this, uh, and I, I'm stealing this from somebody, but David who prays this is the same David who killed a bear protecting sheep and then famously, this is the one you know, he killed a giant uh, with a slingshot when all the other guys were too scared to fight the giant in the army. And I think, to be honest with you, that that's why he can actually pray this prayer. Because he has the guts to say, God, look inside of me, know me deeply, and then fix me no matter what it takes. Heal me no matter what it takes. Uh, the Treasury of David, a famous commentary on the book of Psalms, uh, says a couple things that I thought were pretty profound. The difference between an unconverted and converted man is not that the one has sins and the other has none, but that the one takes part with his cherished sins against a dreaded God and the other takes part with a reconciled God against his hated sins. Did that make sense? A Christian and a non-Christian both have sins. We both do things wrong. We both mess up all the time, in fact. But a Christian goes, God, I'm on your side. You removed my sin by your grace, but I want to completely obliterate the sin inside of me, so work with me on this issue. Treasury of David also said this, 
as if he had said, Lord, I have searched myself and can see no wicked way in me, but Lord, thy sight is infinitely clearer than mine, and if thou wilt but search me, thou mayest see some wicked way in me, which I could not see, and I would fain see and know the worst of myself, that I might amend and grow better, therefore, Lord, if there be any such way in me, cause me to know it also." It's like the ring again. If you're not an expert, you just can't see the problems with it. Uh, But an expert sees things differently, right? I mean, I I love being around experts. My area of knowledge in life is is pretty limited, and I uh, probably to a fault because I annoy people. But when I get to sit with people and watch what they're good at doing, I love it because it's like they're seeing things and just... uh, a different way altogether. It's like we're not even looking at the same thing anymore because they it makes sense to them or whatever it might be. And when it comes to morality and living right, humans aren't very good at it. God is the expert. And so we ask him to search us and lead us in the everlasting way because the reality is while we have his word and while we kind of know our problems most of the time, we're not as good as God at seeing deep inside of ourselves and knowing what is wrong. He is the one who can actually determine the things that we need to fix. Now here's, here's the reality. Most people will go their whole lives without ever praying this. They'll say, I'm pretty good. When they do something wrong, they'll say, well, they did it wrong too. When they do something wrong, they'll say, at least it wasn't as bad as the other guy. When they do something wrong, they'll make an excuse for the wrong thing they've done. When they do something wrong, they'll, they'll brush it underneath the rug and say, well, we'll just pretend that didn't happen. When they do something wrong, they'll just kind of say, it's okay. But the people that will go the furthest in life and that will live most beautifully to kind of say the same thing we've been talking about for 10 weeks are the people who will say, God, I want you to look deep inside of me and I want you to fix everything. And if you're not a Christian, then that starts, you go, Jesus, I want you to forgive everything. And and so you give your life to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I want you to be my savior and my Lord. I believe that you died for all those things that I've done wrong. And and I I can't do anything about them, so forgive me and and heal me and and lead me into the everlasting way. But for Christians, it's saying, look, I still do wrong stuff and I want it all gone for my life. I don't want to pretend that my sin doesn't exist. I want it all taken away. I want to become perfect. We may never achieve that, but we should want to achieve perfection as far as morality is concerned. And so here's what I have to say. This is it. If you have the guts then I encourage you to go home and say, God, I know that you see everything. God, I know that I cannot hide from you. God, I know that you knew everything that would happen to me before I was even born and everything that I would do. But God, search deep in my soul and make everything right. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray uh, for all of us who are here, every person who will listen to this sermon online, Uh, if we're getting it recorded. Uh, And and I ask God that you would help us to have the courage to pray this. It's so easy to go through life as, as as a person who ignores our problems, who pretends our problems don't exist, who minimalizes our problems. But God, the people who have truly the hearts of gold are those who are willing to look inside and to ask you to look inside 
willing to have you fix them, God. Even as I say fix them, Lord, um, I'm reminded that a lot of people <laughs> would kind of balk at the notion that they need fixing. And it's because they don't want to look deeply inside. But God, we all need fixing. And so I pray we'd have the courage to pray to you and ask you to search us. And I'll just do it now, God. Um, search me and lead me into the everlasting way, God. I love you, Lord. I pray that you'd move through this sermon. In your name, amen.